Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of High School Not So Much Musical. Today, we're joined with Anthony Kay, who is a sports commentator who hosts many different sports shows, ranging from football to soccer and obviously basketball. So, Anthony, first off, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on to our podcast. But um, could you just start off with giving the viewers a quick introduction about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So, Anthony Kay, I'm I'm on about five different shows right now. So, uh, Sports Fluent is the main one. And the focus of Sports Fluent is to make people more fluent in sports. Uh, so it's more of an educational show. Uh, we bring on guests and, and, like I said, talk about mostly NBA, NFL. Uh, but we range, you know, we, we actually split it off into finance, fitness, wellness, mental health. We really talk about everything. Uh, we might drop the name sports there in a minute. Uh, then I do another show called Fluent and Chill uh, with a basketball analyst, uh, Chilltown Hoops, all about basketball and football and life. And Player's Choice Gridiron um, is a football uh, debate show. So we get a list of topics and, and a group of five of us go pretty much go at it in a, in a debate style format. So that's Player's Choice Gridiron. Um, so those are kind of the main three. Oh, sorry, Table for One. So if you've ever seen the show Around the Horn, uh, it's similar to that where there's four content creators. We each get uh, questions and we get scored and then every round someone gets eliminated. There's more coming, but th those are probably the main ones. Yeah, like especially, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, especially the one that you mentioned about, you know, just five of you guys sitting around a table and just going at it with each other. I feel like those ones are really interesting because um, everyone has their completely different perspectives. You know, there's people yelling at each other. It's just crazy. And people, they like listening to stuff that's like entertaining and crazy. But um so the first question I just have for you is like, could you talk about maybe why you wanted to become a sports commentator? Because um, like, were sports always a thing that was interesting to you ever since you've grown up or was it sort of like an acquired thing? Yeah, that's, that's it's kind of a sad story, but it ends up with a happy ending. So um, growing up, I played a lot. I played a lot of sports, but mostly in high school, I was a football and a basketball guy. Uh, I had scholarships uh, to both. So I ended up taking a, a basketball scholarship. Unfortunately, uh, two things happened. One, I realized as good as I was, I was never gonna be good enough to really get paid on a full-time basis. Like I played professionally in Europe, but it's not the same, right? And so I realized, okay, I might not be getting paid to do this for the rest of my life. And then I guess the one that accelerated was I got hurt. So I, I tore all the ligaments in my arch, my Achilles and my ankle. And as a basketball player, you kind of need that. So when I realized, well, I'm not going to get paid to do it and I can't do it anymore, what's left to do but talk about it. And so that kind of really uh, made made the choice for me to go down that path. Yeah, like I feel like what you said there at the beginning is kind of true, like especially like if we're talking, I'm I'm the most familiar with the NBA, like that's what I grew up watching. I played basketball a lot. Um, and I feel like the thing is like, you know, to go to the NBA or like the G League or anything, you have to be above a certain height. Um, you have to like have a, a certain set of like athleticism and like there's like these great players like you can go onto YouTube and just look up like high school basketball and there's like these great high school basketball players but sadly they're like six one or like six foot and they're not gonna like make it that far in like life or in or basketball sorry they're not gonna make that far maybe yeah they far. might make it far in life they might not make it yeah. far in basketball but here's the thing there there is exceptions right you can be yeah. like I had the height I had the skill I had the athleticism but the thing is, it goes beyond that because you need to have the drive, you need to have the opportunity, because even if you are six one or six foot or 5'11 or seven foot, um, people don't realize how good 
an NBA player is. So it's interesting. Most, so in my shoes, for example, everybody who gets a scholarship and goes to a university like I do, we're the best at our school. So you, you're coming out of a program where you're the best. And then you go into this university and you may or may not be the best anymore because there's another, you know, 18, 20 guys or girls who are just as good because they they were the best at their school as well. And then they moved on. Then the part that takes it to the next level is of those kids. And so we're kids, right? You're coming out of university. Only 1% of scholarship athletes make it to the pros. Now, that doesn't mean make it and star. That means just get the opportunity to be a professional. 1%, I believe... Uh, Coach Rick Patino, who was my uh, kind of mentor uh, over my summer league, said this to me. He goes, the chances of you making the NBA, and this is if you're great, it's more likely to get struck by lightning twice. So a lot of things have to go right for you to make it to that level. So when you see those guys, do you guys know Brian Scalabrini? Have you heard that name before? The White Mamba? The White Mamba, yes. So he played for the Boston Celtics, and he said something that people laughed at, but it's 100% true. He, who was like, let's see, if there's, let's say there's a 15 man roster and there's 30 teams in the NBA, right? So that's what, 450-ish players? He's probably player 450, okay? And he said, I'm closer to LeBron James than you are to me. And that's accurate. It's scary, but it's accurate. Yeah, I think that really goes to show the extent to which how, how difficult it is to get into the NBA. And once you get into the NBA, it's kind of like you're starting from scratch again if you want to go from, you know, being player 450 to getting to that top like 25, 30 range. And well, are you good yeah. at math? Uh, are you guys good? Are you guys good at math? We're pretty decent. We're okay. Pretty decent. All right. Give me ballpark. How many universities? And we're just counting D1. We're not counting D2 or anything else. How many universities in the U.S. alone? So we're not even including international. So I think think there's around 4,000 in the U.S., but I'm not sure if those are D1. I'm just Okay, let's cut it. Let's say 2,500. Okay, yeah. All right, so each one of those 2,500, there's 10 scholarship players. So that's Mm 25,000. How many people get drafted every year? Rishi, do you know that? 60. 60, yeah. 60. Wow. There's two rounds, 30 teams each, right? So just so hear hear this out. So there's 25,000 players, 60 draft players, and not all of them make it because don't forget, they're still existing players. Like they don't just play one year and leave. They're there for five, 10, 15. You know, if you're LeBron James, you're there for 47 years. Um, So it's, it's, that's how small the opportunity is. And people are like looking at college acceptance rates like 4%, 5%. They're like, wow, that's extremely low because it's like yeah. 2,000 out of like every 50,000 or something. And this is like what we just did. They're going to take 60 out of 25,000. That's incredible. That's very, very low. I, again, keep in mind, I'm not counting everywhere because we don't just draft players just from American universities. They draft from Canada. They draft from overseas. They draft from Europe. So that 60 is really actually even even less than that. It's probably more realistic. It's probably 40, like realistically. That's incredible. And we kind of noticed that, you know, you obviously have a lot of stuff in your background relating to sports. So if you want to walk through us, like some of your favorite uh, sports teams, which team you kind of prefer in the basketball region, football region, et cetera. Yeah. Like some of the artifacts you have in the back, some that are maybe 
you know, specialty, et cetera? For sure, yeah, for sure. So I, um, I grew up kind of following two teams and they're all kind of really interesting stories because I grew up in Toronto in Canada where there wasn't an NFL team. There was at the time there wasn't an NBA team. So growing up here, you really only saw two teams. It was the, this might, this might date myself a little bit, but you only, you only saw the Lakers and the Celtics because those were the top two teams and they were always kind of battling for, you know, occasionally Philadelphia, but really it was the Lakers and Celtics. It was Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. And as I started watching basketball, they were like, you got, you have to pick a team. And I'm like, no, I just really like watching everybody. And they're like, no, I was, there was, it felt like there was a lot of pressure. And they said, so who are you going to, who are you going to root for Lakers or the Celtics? And it's funny that I'm actually wearing green today because I don't like the color green. And so as a kid, I just picked the Lakers because I just said, I don't like green and the Celtics are all green. So I picked the Lakers um, and it's been, it's been fun. So that ball right there is a signed a ball from the bubble Lakers uh, from their championship a couple of years ago. And then you probably can't see this, or maybe you can. That's a, a Western All-Star signed jersey from Kobe Bryant, uh, rest in peace. My favorite player of all time, by the way, uh, when in, uh, the All-Star game was in New Orleans. And so they had the t-shirts that year. So we had, we had those. Um, and then obviously that's the ESPN uh, magazine uh, with Kobe on the cover. Yeah. And then a couple, then a, then a couple football jerseys kind of laying around there. Actually, there's you probably can't see it, but right here, I don't know if you can see my finger right below is another uh, Bryant, Kobe Bryant jersey. So a lot of Kobe stuff. Yeah. I feel like yeah. he was really in, like a great inspiration for, you know, a lot of basketball followers. Yeah, and for for me it was it was even it was it was probably a couple of things. So one, I'm a Laker fan. So, you know, th that that connection was there, but the same season that I got hurt and couldn't play basketball anymore. He was, well, I guess I always say he was drafted by the Lakers. I know he wasn't drafted by the Lakers. He was drafted um, and traded to the Lakers. But the same year that I couldn't play anymore was the first year that he was going to play. And so I was like, okay, since I can't do it anymore, he's a Laker. He's the young guy. We're around the same age. He's going to be, he's going to be my guy. So we kind of had that thing. I was going to live vicariously through him. So we did pretty good. Yeah. Like, uh, about something that you mentioned earlier is that like, you know, you lived in Toronto and there was only like two teams. It was either the Lakers or the Celtics because they would always like be the best and end up in the finals. Yeah. And like, I was actually born in Boston. So my dad, he lived there, uh, for like 15 years before I was born or before I was born. And like, he was a really big Celtics fan. He would always go to the games and I never like, I left Boston when I was like five. So I didn't really watch basketball, but then I came here and then sort of a bandwagon but i'm a warriors fans now warriors fan now like recently i just went courtside or it wasn't recently but when we did our planning meeting it was like two days after um i went courtside to the um it was blazers versus uh warriors game so yes i remember we had that discussion i thought you were gonna send me tickets they didn't come um <laughs> but i will say but i get it when you move like you know for again growing up in toronto but then i moved so oddly enough so growing up in toronto i became a laker fan but then i moved to la and interesting that then I moved to LA, but then Toronto gets a team. So you'll see some of that kind of Toronto stuff there too. Cause yeah, I got I still got, you still got to represent the hometown a little bit. Like one question that I have for you that would be interesting is that like, what do you think is like, a, like being a bandwagon? Because like, in like in my case, uh, I was, I was born in Boston. Right. And then I moved to California and I live in like San Fran or we live in the San Francisco, San Jose area. So we're like a Warriors fan. 
Um, but it's not really, I don't feel like it's a bandwagon if we moved here and we've lived here like an entire life. So I just want to know, like, what's your opinion on it? So I'll say no one who's a bandwagoner will ever see it as them being a bandwagoner because <laughs> in your mind, there's always a reason. Now for you, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on your show, if you move to a city and you decide to support that that team, that's not a bandwagon. Now, if you say, you know, let me let me let me pick another, let me pick a team. All right, well, who's a team that's not very good right now? Okay, and I hate to pick on them, but let's say Sacramento. Sacramento's not very good right now. And they're they're close enough to you, right? They're they're in Northern California. So if all of a sudden Steph Curry retires, Clay retires, Draymond retires, and the Warriors drop and they become a lottery team. And somehow, I don't know, maybe Sacramento hires me and they now become a perennial like championship contender. And you say, oh, I'm going to be a Kings fan now. That, that's a bandwagon, right? If you've jumped on because they've started winning, right? Like I used, if you use my football team, um, I saw a game, my first NFL game that I ever saw because I grew up with, you know, my parents are from Greece. They don't, you know, they barely speak English. All they watch is soccer. So I never saw what we call an American football game until, you know, later on. And I saw the Bears and it was a great game. And the Bears beat the Detroit Lions, a division rival in overtime. And I'm like, oh my, these guys are amazing. That's my team. Now, they kind of, let's be honest, the Bears stink. But I, I refuse to like, you know, leave. But I easily could have said, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, oh, I'm a Patriots fan right and jumped right on that bandwagon and i would have been you know that would have been a bandwagon for me but everyone has their own thing the other thing that i've noticed lately on that kind of topic is there's people you know my generation i hate to do this but my generation is i'm i'm a fan of this team and i stick with this team through thick and thin and i might hate them at times they might hate me at times but that's my team now let me first say i love every NBA NFL team and every NBA and right, I'm, I'm a sports fan. I get a, a little extra love for these guys. So I follow that, that, that team. And if any player comes to that team, I become a fan of that player. When they leave, I hate them. Okay. So that being said, I've noticed recently um, because players move around a lot more than they used to, there's people who are fans of players. So I know someone, he lives in, in uh, South Florida. And he's a LeBron James fan. So he'll tell you, I was a Cleveland fan. Then I was a Miami fan. Then I was a Cleveland fan again. And now I'm a Laker fan. That I get it. He just, he follows that favorite player around to wherever he goes. So hopefully you don't find a player who's been on like 17 teams. Cause that can get a little expensive on jerseys. Um, but for the superstars, I think you're pretty safe. So we kind of want to shift a little bit from talking about some more general sports topics to specifically your, your, like secondary job as a sports commentator. And I've also noticed in not just like real life, but also in the movies, like any sports movies they have, the sports commentator is like one of the most critical roles because every single like moment, the way they specify like the action that's going on on the field, it really brings out like the action per se. Like, the, the action wouldn't be as exciting if the sports commentator didn't phrase it in the way that they did. So, like, as a sports commentator for you and some of, like, the podcasts that you have and the shows that you're on, what skills have you kind of developed and what skills do you think are most important to becoming a sports commentator and to be, being an effective sports commentator in terms of, like, 
really showing the action that's going on on the game. Yeah, no, for sure. So when you're podcasting, so there's two, there's, there's, those are two very different questions, right? So when you're podcasting, you want to have one, you want to have a passion for what you're talking about. Uh, because if, if, if you don't love it, cause you, I think you could tell, I love, but you hear me when I talk, you can tell, I love what I'm talking about. Right. If you don't, it's really hard to get someone who's either listening. Cause a lot of podcasts people just listen to, they don't watch, but even if it's a YouTube show, cause so we do both, we have a, an audio podcast and we're, and we're on YouTube and TikTok and all, like all those other things. But if you're not engaging, well, no one's, it's no one else is going to find it interesting or engaging either. So be passionate about um, kind of what you're talking about and don't be afraid. And this is the toughest one because you're going to get beaten up for this. Don't be afraid to pick a side. So if I feel very strongly about a certain topic, for example, we're having a really big debate right now is Cooper cup, the best wide receiver in football. And everyone wants to be in the middle. Well, he's really good here and he's, you know, he's not the, so good over here and he can do this and he can't. And they're kind of towing that middle line. That's not fun. That's not fun. So, so on our debate, Joe, you know, and not just, we didn't set this up. It just happened. One person said he's terrible because he can't do this. I jump on the other side and I say, there's no way you can tell me the person who leads the league in receptions in yards in touchdowns, isn't the best wide receiver because what matters the most production. So if you're on that kind of side and you really take hold of what you believe in, again, it, it's that, it's that excitement that really builds up. So that's from the podcasting side. So have an opinion. Be, be firm about your opinion and don't be scared because people will tell you how dumb you are because they think the opposite. And the beauty about opinions is it's okay to have different opinions and, and you're never, you're never going to please everybody. So you got to know that in terms of the broadcasting piece, when you're doing like play by play or color, you have to have the first thing I tell people have a really good memory, right? Like I'm able to bring up a stat or a play from 10 years ago and say, oh, that reminded me of this. Or when we're talking about a player and say, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting that he, you know, was able to hit 87% of his free throws tonight because he's typically, he's a 54% free throw shooter and his best season was 73%. And that was back in 2017, right? If knowing that stuff really helps. Um, the other thing is, and this is the one that's the hardest for everybody is a tagline or something that's kind of cultural. So um, again, you may, may or may not know this guy because now he's, he's gone, but Chick Hearn who was the voice of the Los Angeles Lakers, which is why I know him. You don't even know. You use his words every day you talk basketball. He was the first one to use stuff like slam dunk, alley-oop. Like, there's so many iconic terms that he created where he, when he was talking. And then just lastly, I, I'd say, you know, about the announcers and the play-by-play -play guys, you know, just think about how many plays you've seen where the call itself is as a spectacular as a play. So there's this play, uh, Michael Jordan goes up with his right hand. I, everyone's probably seen this, comes down and then goes up with his left against the Lakers in the finals in 1991. And it's not the same if you don't hear Marv Albert, a spectacular move by Michael Jordan. Like you can hear it and see it without even seeing it. You know what I mean? So that's the, those are the things that I think commentators are, are able to really, really able to, to provide. When you like, when you're talking about all of this and specifically when you mentioned that like, one of the keys is to pick a side or pick an opinion and then stick to it. Like one of the main things I thought of was like, I don't remember his exact name, but the Hornets commentator from last year, like he was, you know, really one-sided, but like it was right when like Lamella got drafted and everything. And he was really energetic. Like, I'm not sure, like, I'm pretty sure you might know who I'm talking about. Uh, 
I know I know Lamelo. I don't know who the comment the commentator. Oh, oh. Well, so basically, I know like, I know Del Curry. Yeah, Steph, it, Steph's dad yeah, does yeah, commentary yeah. for Charlotte. Oh. I don't know who the other guy is though. Oh yeah, that's the other guy that I'm talking. The about. other guy, oh, okay. Yeah, and that so basically, like last year in the 2020-2021 season, um, he was like really one-sided, and he was like always talking about how great the Hornets were. Every time there would be like a layup or just like. I don't know, just something really simple. He would get so hyped, and I I would never watch the Hornets, and but I would just watch it just to listen to him and like, cause it's like crazy in my mind how energetic this guy is about like a team that wasn't really even performing that well last year. But uh, yeah, I, I thought you knew. Yeah, him. no, no, I I can't remember his name, but I'll tell you this: the Raptors, uh, the Raptors, the, what who I call the voice of the Raptors. There's multiple voices of the Raptors, and I know him because I. Well, I know him, and I, I've had him on the f- show a few times. Jack Armstrong, he does like these really great, like bring out the salami and cheese. This game is over, right? And he's, so there's those taglines, right? I think that you know, he's like, hey, something. I don't know. Anyways, hello. He does he, like he has this. Uh, every time there's a block, he's like, get that garbage out of here, and he's got like this New York accent too when he says it. So yeah, those are the things that people, you know start to recognize as part of the team and it it does it makes it more exciting i've i've been to games where once we've had the technology now i'm like i want to hear it right like i'll put my earbuds in and be like i want to hear this because it's great to watch a game but i like hearing it too so maybe maybe that's me because i i I enjoy doing it but definitely yeah um so i kind of want to shift the conversation a little bit we talked a little bit about you know, the different ways that commentators utilize, like these catchphrases, essentially, you know, like when Steph Curry shoots a three, they go from downtown and that kind of hypes up the crowd. So could you talk about what are some of your favorite basketball moments of all time? You know, how did, and what, was there any specific impact that commentary in particular had on kind of exemplifying that moment or making it uh, more, Oh yeah, there's there's more, the sec the second you said that it's interesting. It wasn't from a game, but the second you said it, I immediately heard the voice in my head, and it was Isaiah Thomas screaming, "It's over!" Vince Carter, the slam dunk contest, and he's like, "It's over!" And Vince Carter was making the motion too. That was just a moment that, like, not only did he arrive on the scene, like talk about saying, "Hey, I'm here, NBA, like pay attention to me," but I mean, it put a they put a team on the map that was not on the map, right? They put a country. Just if you look at how many Canadian draft picks there have been since Vince Carter had his run in Toronto, it's insane. There was almost none. It was like Steve Nash and uh, maybe Jamal Maglure, maybe, and now you've got like you know Dort and. Uh, Shy Alexander and Kelly Olynyk and there's just the list kind of goes on and on with these Canadian players and you Chris Boucher I don't want to miss uh, any of them right but and I've just probably missed 20 of them but you know that was something that's called and Netflix I think still has it uh, LeBron James did he created made a movie called the the Carter effect right so talk about a moment where an announcer who you know happened to be Isaiah Thomas makes that moment forever last in your mind you can't say it's over without thinking that moment because it changed basketball it changed the team it changed the country it was it was maybe one of the biggest non-basketball game moments that you'll that will kind of forever be remembered thank you so much for listening to part one of this two-part series with anthony k 
who is a sports commentator who hosts many different sports shows ranging from football to soccer and obviously basketball. Be sure to stay tuned for part two coming in the, in the future. Thank you all and see you next time.